Hello, welcome to the Curious Wanderer Bible Study. Today, we're going to be continuing in Genesis, uh, in particular Genesis chapter 15, um, where we get to see Abram and God interact some more. But before we start there, um, let's just recap where we're at. So this is several hundred years after the flood with Noah. Abram's been born. He has moved around a little bit and settled in Canaan. Uh, his nephew Lot was with him for a while, and then Lot separated and went towards Sodom and Gomorrah area. Uh, there was a massive battle that happened uh, that Lot got taken away in, and Abram has just rescued Lot and uh, given 10% of his um, takings from that battle to Melchizedek and the king, uh, the good king. And has offered, has not given anything to the king of Sodom. Um, and he's given praise to God for his victory. And that's where we left everybody before we get to Genesis 15. So Genesis 15 is the Lord's covenant with Abram. And uh, before we discuss anything about it, I'd like just to read the first few verses of this. So again, this is just after the victory. And um, the last thing we left in Genesis 14 was um, basically Abram saying, I will not accept anything from Sodom, the king of Sodom um, and just give what is necessary to my um, allies who came with me. So after this, so reading from the NIV, starting in verse one, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your great, your very great reward, or another translation that I see here is I, your, um, or your shield, your reward will be very great. So either your very great reward or your reward will be very great. Continuing in verse two, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So then the, continuing in verse four, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So <clears throat> it's a very interesting interaction that happens here. And the topic for today is, do you have to ask? Um, so God and Abram have been talking several times already in Genesis. And I'm sure there were probably many other times where they were communicating that's not recorded in Genesis as well. Um, but this one's really interesting and unique um, because God is coming to Abram after this vic great victory and saying, I am your shield, your very great reward, or you will be rewarded very greatly. And <clears throat> rather than Abram saying, ooh, that's awesome, God, thank you very much, he does something else. Um, and if you listen to the words, it feels like Abram is mad. He's upset. 
Um, so let me just reread verse two after God says he will be his great reward. Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. So we don't know exactly who Eleazar of Damascus is, um, but we do know that he's not related to Abram and is probably maybe a trusted servant. Um, and Abram continues, um, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So we know it's a servant, but we don't know exactly in what capacity. <clears throat> now, God has just said he's going to give him a great reward. And rather than being humble and thankful, Abrams comes out with what's something that's been on his heart probably for a long time now. Um, he's in his at, over his 70s um, at this point and has no children. Now, of course, God knows this, and God also knows that Abram really wants this. So why does Abram have to say this? Now, you'll notice the Lord's response to him, though. So after he kind of almost whines, um, at least lets out a lot of steam, God comes, God responds to him, um, starting in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him, talking about Abram, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He, God, took him, Abram, outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. So not only is Abram going to have children, but his children's 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 children are going to be ridiculously enumerated. So large a number that he can't even fathom it. Um, now, the next verse after that, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abram believed God that this would happen. Um, but this whole interaction points out the, a really interesting thing that do we need to ask when we need something of God? And the answer is an unequivocal yes here. God did not grant this to Abram until Abram asked. Um, Abram probably had felt like he was backed into a corner and he just, this has been on his heart for so long and he finally let it out. Um, and it's really amazing God's response to him. Um, Rather than being offended that he's brought this up now after such a great victory, God's like, I understand. And it will happen for you. And Abram believed him. It was credited to him as righteousness. How often are we mad at God that our plans, the things that we want, don't seem to be happening? I know it happens to me all the time. I'm, patience is not one of my virtues. Um, as anybody who knows me can attest, uh, I tend to want things now and God's working on me for patience. Um, things take time and God works in his own time. We'll see in the next chapter how that plays out um, in particular for Abram. But sticking in this chapter, um, continuing in verse seven, God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So 
a new thing pops up here, right? Not just children, but now he's going to get possession of this land. But Abram asks again, how can I know this for certain God? So he needs some help. And just as we all need help, um, there was the man talking to Jesus who said, Lord, I have faith. Help me with my unbelief. I have belief, but help me with my unbelief. We all need help from time to time, and God grants it to him. The Lord, continuing chapter, or in verse 9, said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So, culture shift here, right? Um, we don't have any of these things, very few of us would anyway. Uh, but what he's really asking of Abram here is, bring me the most important things to you and show me that you're willing to sacrifice them. And when he sacrifices these things, God shows him a vision that this will indeed happen. Um, and this is our pattern for how we are supposed to talk with God. We need to ask him the things that we want. We are to. Uh, but it's even more important than that for our relationship with God. It's also our relationship with other people. God gives us the pattern for how we are to talk to other people. We aren't just supposed to leave our needs and our wants and our desires unvoiced. Nobody will know it unless we voice them. We have to tell others what we need, what we want, and negotiate with them. Um, and this pattern shows it. God clearly knew that Abram wanted offspring. Um, but it took Abram voicing that need, that desire, um, even angrily. Again, he sounds a little angry when he's saying this. Um, but it took him actually voicing it for that to come through. Um, for God to to recognize it and then help him with it, to help Abram with it. Um, we shouldn't repress our needs, either with God or with each other. Um, we need to voice them. Just like Jesus, whenever he was going to, when he was in Gethsemane, um, he prayed to God. He did not want to have to do what was coming. Um, in a very human moment for him, he said, God, please take this cup from me if it be your will. But your will, not mine, be done. He voiced, Jesus also shows us this pattern. We have to voice our needs to God. And as an extension or analogy to that, we need to voice our needs to each other. It's hard um, to express those to each other, but we should. Um, and how do we ask God when we need something? This whole interaction shows us, you know, we're grateful for something. Um, Abram was grateful for this victory, um, but he had another need. And so he just said it. Literally, if we go back to verse one, God says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And then immediately the response from Abram is his need. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? He's talking about this reward, right? What can you give me since I remain childless? And so on. He immediately expresses his need quickly and to the point. And that's what we need to do when we talk to God about our needs. So chapter 15 in Genesis really shows us the answer, do you have to ask? And the answer is yes, you do. It helps so much. And 
just to put a final point on this, um, <clears throat> one reason we have to ask <clears throat> is because God is a relational God. He wants to be in relation with us, which means we have to communicate with him. Um, there's the only way to be in a relationship is you communicate and the other one communicates. Um, and it provides this pattern for us through all of our relationships. The pattern of how we are in relationship with God should be mirrored through how we're in relationship with others as well. Thank you for your time and uh, see you next time.